The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. We gather here today in a common cause because the desires that unite us are greater than the forces that divide us. We look with awe at the artifacts of the past, believing that we will never again know such greatness. But greatness is only a matter of will. It is the end result of patience, determination, direction, and strength. And we who have grown up in the shadow of the big death have those qualities in abundance. We have made mistakes, but we have learned from them. And what we have learned most is that we cannot entrust our future to those who can only see the past. Tonight, we stand together, united for the first time. In the coming days, we will carve out the framework for a new country and a new future. Because if we fail to do so, others will do it for us. And generations yet unborn will live to regret our failure. Welcome everyone. It is Thursday, February 17, 2022. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing, it's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be called a freedom convoy for a reason. And right now the media and political interests are doing everything possible to turn your attention away from that word freedom and its connection to the convoy. When we speak of freedom in a political context, that means only one thing. Freedom from coercion. And that means freedom from the arbitrary will of other people being imposed upon us. Only human beings are capable of coercion for the same reason that only human beings are subject to any principles of morality. The use of physical force in the act of self-defense is not coercion. Coercion is always initiated by an agent willing to use physical force against another otherwise peaceful and non-threatening individual or group. So it should come as no surprise that those who rely on coercion and force to obviate consent should declare freedom itself to be politically incorrect, undefinable, subjective, and, you know, just a slogan to disguise fascist and violent agendas. (laughs) They're already doing it. Seriously. So get ready for the next round of our war of words as the most sacred and fundamental word of all political concepts falls under attack. But here's the problem. Most people on the right are totally disarmed in the war of ideas and words to effectively respond to these allegations when the proper response should be as clear as I will enunciate it beginning right after our invitation to you to write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org. Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of our social media links and archived broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. Sorry, since you're at my home, can I just get your name and your badge yeah, number, please? I have a card here. Okay. It's Erica Ingram. 
Thank you. And this is just some information about peaceful protests. That's all it is. Okay, so you saw something on my Facebook? No, on the Facebook group. <clears throat> okay, and decided to come to my personal residence to give me information about peaceful protest? Yes. Okay, so are the Peterborough police, no, you're with OPP? Um, are you guys now monitoring people's Facebook pages or Facebook groups to who comments as to what their um, uh, status updates are or what they're doing or okay, so within the group? Just like because of the protests happening province-wide, yes, we have been monitoring the protests. Okay. okay. So there's a protest coming up. I'm simply providing you with information about a peaceful protest. And now I'm leaving. Oh, okay. That is all. So the Ontario Provincial Police are watching what people are doing on Facebook in different groups, whether or not they're commenting, participating, liking, and you guys are now doing service calls to give people information about peaceful protest. Yeah. It's just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protesting. I absolutely, I have Perfect. a copy of the Canadian Charter of Rights Excellent. and Freedoms, so Excellent. I'm well within that and, and yeah. very understanding of that. Uh, I appreciate that. I'm, okay. I'm hoping that uh, you guys aren't going to waste our tax dollars continuing to do this to everybody, but uh, now it's nice to know that uh, we're, we're being watched. So. Do you have any questions? My cell phone number is on the card. Thank you. Boy, do I have questions. Ontario has become so deeply totalitarian and fascist that we now have smiling people with guns arbitrarily visiting our homes to educate us about peaceful protesting. Never thought I'd see the day. Perhaps their political masters might benefit from some education about trying a bit of peaceful governance for a change. But instead, we now have fascism being delivered to our doorsteps by none other than the Ontario Provincial Police, who apparently have become Premier Doug Ford's personal Gestapo. Fascist Ford. What happened there, in that clip we just heard, should never, ever, 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 ever happen in a free society. It's all over when cops are visiting your door and giving you, oh, I, I couldn't believe it. You know, I'd like to see a copy of that brochure that the OPP was distributing, and I wonder how many of them were distributed to Antifa and Black Lives Matter protesters, two explicitly fascist organizations who were rioting, literally occupying sections of cities through their use of weapons, beating and killing people, burning buildings, smashing storefronts, looting and tipping over cars and vehicles, and preventing emergency services from entering their controlled areas, etc., etc., etc. We were watching it for two freaking years. Unbelievable. Just a proactive measure to make sure you understand your rights about peaceful protesting. That OPP cop was not spreading information about anyone's rights about peaceful protesting, since it's anyone's right to peacefully protest. What is there to say about it? This was a proactive measure letting the recipient know about the government's willingness to coerce its citizens, even in their own homes. And that's what we all just witnessed. And since when is being on Facebook an act of protest by any definition? Or since when is monitoring a protest about monitoring Facebook or any social media? What this OPP officer is doing is acting as an agent of propaganda. By indirectly associating the ongoing and extraordinarily peaceful and well-orchestrated freedom protests, the Freedom Convoys, with violence, remember to be peaceful, the intended implication is that the ongoing protests are not peaceful 
and therefore the warnings are required. This is just one of the many, many, many ways that fascists twist the very meaning of words and definitions into very fuzzy and approximate concepts. That's how they do it. Twisting words, using words. All of politics is about definition, define or be defined. As Salim Mansour so eloquently explained on a few of our recent broadcasts, Canada has been living in a freedom delusion that has led its citizens to believe they are free, while the politicians are working hard to destroy those freedoms and to institute a fascist state in which everyone has to be tagged, traced, controlled, or just eliminated. Because that's what this whole COVID fiction has been about since day one. Wake up, people. Over the past couple of weeks, I couldn't help but notice, in the fake news media, the stream of lies and deceit state-financed commentaries and op-ed pieces about how misguided we all are about freedom and individual rights. And as Exhibit A, I offer this editorial example from the pages of the London Free Press on February the 9th. Headline reads, Whatever this protest is about, it's not fact. Convoy participants must know that individual freedoms are not absolute, Philippe Antoine Hoyek says. And here's his article. The so-called Freedom Convoy... <laughs> that's a good way to start, right? The so-called, yeah. That is what it's called, right? right. The so-called Freedom Convoy has now occupied downtown Ottawa for more than a week, and I, for one, am still not quite sure what it's supposed to be about. It seems to have something to do with freedom and Canadian flags, but beyond these vague indications, the messaging around the convoy has been muddled in the extreme. What do they want? Why? Okay, why? Well, I've walked around downtown a lot over the last week, so I can at least make some observations. There have been trucks denouncing the pedo elite. There has been graffiti claiming that children were dying of vaccine-induced myocarditis. There have been protesters shouting that masks don't work and that their children can't breathe. There have been claims that the vaccine is experimental. There have been woefully uninformed people decrying Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's quote-unquote Marxist agenda. I'm sure I'm missing some, but you get the point. At best, these are exaggerations, if not outright falsehoods, that contradict the scientific consensus scientific consensus about Marxism. At worst, they are completely insane QAnon conspiracy theories. Of course they are. Of course they are. This gets us to the heart of the matter. Right, get ready. Here's the heart of the matter. Those participating in the convoy say they are doing so in the name of freedom, but individual freedoms are obviously not absolute. As long as we are committed to living in a society, they can't be. It belongs to the democratic process to determine which curtailments of freedom are legitimate and which are not. And it seems that on any sane theory of democracy, one of the main things that distinguishes a legitimate from an illegitimate restriction is what the facts are. I can't believe I'm reading this. This is why expert cultures, and yes, I had to check that twice, expert cultures, are so crucial to a properly functioning democracy. They are the ones qualified to determine what the facts are. Yet from what I can tell, the protesters in the Freedom Convoy have a dangerously tenuous grasp on the facts." End quote. Unbelievable. 
And, believe it or not, the author of this pure BS and propaganda, Philippe Antoine Hoyek, is described as a teacher of philosophy at Carleton University. His primary areas of interest are ethics and political philosophy. <laughs> and judging by his essay, he knows nothing about either. This, again, is like so many other propaganda pieces we see in the fake news media, where an author is described by his profession or area of expertise, but the essay that he has written has nothing to do with that area in which he's an expert. I've seen this over and over again. You know, authors presented as doctors who are talking about politics, and they're supposed to be experts in the field of viruses and things like that. It's insane. If this guy's supposed to be a philosopher, he hasn't identified a single philosophical or ethical principle in his commentary, and his facts are completely false. There has been graffiti claiming that children were dying of vaccine-induced myocarditis, he says. Well, children are dying from myocarditis, that's a fact, and I don't believe for a minute that this message was expressed as graffiti, and I'm wondering, is he, is he objecting to the fact that kids are dying of myocarditis or the fact that he saw it expressed as graffiti. What's his complaint? <laughs> With him, you don't know. There have been protesters shouting that masks don't work and that their children can't breathe. Well, of course, this too is a fact. Masks don't work, at least at preventing any communicable germs, viruses, or diseases. And that's a fact. And if you want to see a truly chilling and indisputable demonstration of these facts, be sure to check out the February 8th release by Infowars of COVID Land Part 2, The Mask. It's a tremendous production. And some of the devastating effects about wearing masks that were shown on that documentary will stay with you forever. But of course, masks do work. Of course they do. For what they're intended to politically accomplish. They work as a weapon of submission and propaganda. And as I said from the very beginning, the masks are a society's only outward symbol of any supposed crisis at all. And that is why, as reported in the London Free Press on February 10th, province sticking with mask mandate and COVID vaccine certificates, even after the province is supposedly opening up whatever the hell that means, coming out of the mouths of imbecilic tyrants. There have been claims that the vaccine is experimental. Yeah, like by the manufacturers themselves, and of course by the inventor of the injections. How could he not know this? How could this philosopher ethics guy not know about these things since he's writing about them? These injections have never been used on human beings before. There have never been human test trials. This is a simple fact. It's not disputed by anyone. And the death and adverse reactions to the injections are going through the roof. Another fact. But nothing that's said about that by this guy. There have been woefully uninformed people decrying Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's Marxist agenda. Oh, my Lord. However you describe Trudeau's form of tyranny doesn't change the fact that it's still tyranny. Trudeau himself has publicly made it clear that he fully supports Chinese dictatorship. Hello? That's a fact. But, of course, the most accurate word to describe the current tyranny is simply fascism. So maybe he's upset that he just called it strictly Marxist. Somebody wrote the word Marxist. It should be fascist. Get, get, your, get your forms of tyranny right. Yeah, right. As if that's his concern. And individual freedom is an absolute. Yes, it is. Individual freedoms are absolute in our free society. But note how the fascist professor worded it. Individual freedoms are obviously not absolute. 
as long as we are committed to living in a society, they can't be. It belongs to the democratic process to determine which curtailments of freedom are legitimate and which are not. He argues that individual freedoms are not absolute. As long as we're committed to living in a society, they can't be. Well, notice what's missing in that term. A society? What kind of society? Yeah, a totalitarian one. They can't be absolute in a totalitarian society. But in a free society, they are. That's how it works. And just to emphasize the point, individual freedom and individual rights are social concepts defining the proper moral structure around which to build, quote-unquote, a society. A civilized society that operates on the individualistic principle of consent and not on the collectivist and terrorist principle of coercion, which lies at the core of evil itself and at the core of everything our governments have been doing for the past several years. And to argue that it belongs to the democratic process to determine which curtailments of freedom are legitimate and which are not? Are you kidding me? That's an outright advocacy of tyranny. That's the very process from which individual rights were intended to protect us from. Hello! No majority has any right to limit or curtail the freedom of anyone, whether a majority or a minority. It doesn't matter. Freedom is freedom. You can't interfere with mine, I can't interfere with yours. And if you're telling me I have to have the vaccine, you're interfering with mine. You can protect yourself in a million ways. You don't need my assistance, especially when you're, everything you're saying is based on ignorance and stupidity. You know, I remember when the left pretended to be a champion of minority rights. That was a period during which, by the way, they never once acknowledged that the individual is the smallest minority. Philippe Antoine Hoyek, philosophy teacher at Carleton University, shame on you for your lies and for spreading your evil philosophy. And shame on the London Free Press for spreading such outrageous misinformation and propaganda. All right, let me go to Canada and talk a little bit about uh, the truckers, what's happening up there. But I don't know what the truth really is up there because... All you have is mainstream Canadian press, and they are all in the tank, just like ours ours are. Have you noticed in Canada they're just making up laws now? Ah, uh, you can't honk your horn. Can't, can't honk your horn. <laughs> you what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, no firewood. You can't have firewood. You, if you're caught with firewood, it's uh, 20 years in prison. <laughs> Wait a minute, what? Well, firewood could be used to start a, what, a fire? Is that maybe why it has Fire in the name firewood. Well, you never know how that stuff is going to be used. Yeah, you do. They're going to keep warm and, you know, um, you can't bring people gasoline since when? Well, right now. I mean, you can't. You can bring people gasoline if they broke, you know, on the side of the road and they ran out of gas. That you can do. But there's a long standing law. Has it passed yet? Long standing law that you can't bring gasoline to truckers. Oh, really? I mean, that's how desperate they are. Um, And uh, Joe Biden uh, apparently has said that um, the Canadian leaders need to use federal powers to resolve the situation at our border. Oh, yeah, that's wonderful. Do you remember when 
Um, Donald Trump said, if the governors ask, I'll send in the National Guard. <gasps> Fascist! Fascist! Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe I should send in the FBI because they're firebombing federal buildings and I have complete, I have complete power to send in the FBI if people are firebombing federal buildings. <gasps> Fascist! He's now saying, use federal powers to make sure, and I love the analyst from CNN. Uh, she was a former Department of Homeland Security uh, person for the Obama administration. Slash the tires, empty the gas tanks, arrest the drivers, and move the trucks. They're going to be hard to move once you <laughs> slash the tires and they're out of gas. And there's nobody to drive the truck. I right. mean, it's, it's uh, going to be hard. You're not. She's Harvard educated, so <laughs> we'll do the rest of the show slowly for her. Um, but she went on because she got hammered online. She said, trust me, I will not run out of ways to make this hurt. Cancel their insurance. Suspend their driver's license. Prohibit any future regulatory certification for these truckers, etc. Have we learned nothing? These things fester when there are no consequences. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my. Oh, my, 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 my. Pot calling kettle. Pot calling kettle. Now, Trudeau, I love him. Did you hear what he called these people yesterday? It was it was amazing the things that he is is calling uh, this the, the, the truckers. Um, it's not even about the vaccine anymore. This is about fighting for our freedom. Everybody's come together as a community. Our war didn't. Uh, Uh, our veterans didn't fight so we could be a communist country. This protest is about honoring those people. And Justin Trudeau can kiss my ass. That (laughs) is one of the protesters uh, after he said, you know, you've got only a few hours to leave. Otherwise, we're going to come in and break it up and we're going to take you all to jail um, because you are people that are just trying to overthrow the, the government and you're trying to overthrow... Uh, uh, democracy and we are not going to be pushed around we are not it's elected officials listen to this this is uh, from the globe and mail um because of these lockdowns and these mask mandates we are now in a place to lift many of these restrictions and it's precisely because they were so successful that we can do this as omicron wave recedes and vaccine rates improve more and more of them are being removed and of those that remain the least restricted by far are the vaccine mandates get your shot as 90 percent of canada's adult population is done And when you do, you're more free, not less free. Oh, so just comply. And then you'll be free. And then you'll be free. Okay. And Trudeau says he's not going to even meet with them, even though he gave an apology and $10.5 million compensation to a Guantanamo Bay inmate who went out and fought against and killed Canadian troops. He not only talked to him, he apologized to him and then gave him $10 million. Why did you sign off on the compensation deal for Omar Khadr? And what do you have to say to Canadians who deeply disagree with your decision? The Charter of Rights and Freedoms 
protects all Canadians. Oh, it does now. Every one of us. Really? Even when it is uncomfortable. Oh, this yeah. is not about the details or merits of the Cotter case. Uh-huh. When the government violates any Canadian's charter rights, we all end up paying for it. Wow! Isn't that interesting? That was him then. This is him now. Which is it? Does freedom apply to all Canadians and all Canadians pay for it when the, anybody's rights are violated? Because I have a feeling if this is true, you're going to be paying millions of dollars to truckers in the years to come. Today, I'm using my authority as Premier of Ontario to declare a state of emergency in our province. And I will convene Cabinet to use legal authorities to urgently enact orders that will make crystal clear it is illegal and punishable to block and impede the movement of goods, people, and services along critical infrastructure. This will include protecting international border crossings, 400 series highways, airports, ports, bridges, and railways. It will also include protecting the safe and essential movement of ambulatory and medical services, public transit, municipal and provincial roadways, as well as pedestrian walkways. Fines for non-compliance will be severe, with a maximum penalty of $100,000 and up to a year imprisonment. We will also provide additional authority to consider taking away the personal and commercial licenses of anyone who doesn't comply with these orders. This will not impede the rights of Ontarians to peacefully protest. It will provide additional tools to help stop the illegal occupation of Ottawa and the Ambassador Bridge in Windsor. While these emergency orders will be temporary, we have every intention to bring new legislation forward that will make these measures permanent in law. We're taking these steps necessary to support our police as they do what it takes to restore law and order. We're now two weeks into the siege of the city of Ottawa. I call it a siege because that's what it is. It's an illegal occupation. My message to those still in Ottawa to those at our border crossings, please go home. To those of you who have brought your children, please take them home. I urge you, it's time to leave. And it's time to do so peacefully. That was our hyper-hypocritical fascist premier, Fascist Ford, announcing the latest in his series of never-ending threats. And he's threatening the kids explicitly. I mean, what's he talking about with the kids? So here he is, declaring an emergency across the province, not over any super spreader event or over any health dangers, but over the fact that a bunch of peaceful Canadians are expressing their dissatisfaction with their provincial and federal governments. Is that what our emergency measures were meant to curtail? Where were these measures when Canadian statues were being toppled? when violent and anti-social Antifa and Black Lives Matter were causing real dangers to the peace. Now, of course, that was Doug Ford last week. <laughs> now, get a load of what he just said on Tuesday of this week on his trip to a Hamilton steel factory.
But I just asked the protesters, guys, we're, we're moving out of this. Why? Why? Why cause pain? The ironic thing is, Colin, they're, they're saying the freedoms, we're giving them freedoms, but they're hurting more people than the pandemic could ever hurt. Ever hurt. Hundreds of thousands of jobs, millions of families. You know, as simple as even the food processing companies can't get certain ingredients, uh, certain widgets can't get across the border. Like, you, you just... You can't hold up the economy and affect hundreds of thousands of families. So to answer your question more directly, hopefully the, the police in the in the next little while, few days, hopefully sooner, um, can move on. But, you know, folks, it, it, it's complicated, Ottawa. You know what makes it complicated? They have the kids there. And kids are our priority, right? We, we don't want anything to happen to any kids. So please just move the, bring your kids home and guys, let's just unite. That's all I'm asking. Forget all this nonsense. We're in such a competitive environment and we're all fighting amongst ourselves. Well, not all of us, but a small percentage is, is fighting against the rest. Let's just get along. That's all I want. When a fascist says, let's just get along, what that means in real speak is comply. Get along with us by complying to our irrational edicts. Fact is, everyone was getting along quite well until Ford and Trudeau's mask and injection mandates. So if getting along is Ford's goal, it's his move, not the people he's forcing to comply. And again, I don't know about you, but this just creeps me out, this sinister foggy warning about getting your kids out of Ottawa. What the hell is that all about? I only see that, again, as some threat of violence. But did you notice Ford's monumental admission about the pandemic? Their protest is hurting more people than the pandemic could ever hurt. Well, is that so? In other words, the very pandemic that you and your government claimed was so great a threat to humanity that it justified your locking down society and punishing and fining citizens simply for trying to breathe, all that's a big nothing when compared to the existence of a bunch of truckers parked on the streets of Ottawa? Doug, hello, who do you think that the protesters are protesting against? The ball's in your court, buddy. But if you thought that was a glaring admission that COVID is a big nothing, what Ford said next should be on the front pages of newspapers and news periodicals around the world. But as we go to air, I wonder if anyone's even going to hear about it. From the same media event, listen to this. Uh, th thank you. I wanted to ask about the proof of vaccination certificates as well. Um, it seems like a lot of businesses are kind of caught in a, in a weird dilemma because you've given them the ability to continue on with the proof of vaccination certificates if they choose to. So uh, for a business owner, if they remove the proof of vaccination, they may lose business because people might feel unsure, uncertain about, you know, dining in a restaurant with unvaccinated people. However, though, they, they may also face targeted harassment if they keep up with the proof of vaccination. What's, what's your suggestion for what a business owner in that situation should do? I think, I think the market's going to dictate, you know, you, you, can go to, you can go to Costco, you can go to Walmart, you can go shopping. You know, you don't know if the person has a shot beside you or not, but we also know that it doesn't matter if you have one shot or ten shots, you can catch COVID. See, the Prime Minister has triple shots, and I, I know hundreds of people with three shots that caught COVID. We just have to be careful. We've got to always make sure we wash our hands and, and move forward. But, Colin, we can't stay in this position forever. We've got to learn to live with this and get on with our lives. I bet if I asked every single person, 
in this room. Do you want these damn masks or do you want them off? They want them off. They want to get back to normal. They want to be able to go for dinner with their families. And there's every single person, including myself, knows people that are unvaccinated. You know, sure, there's there's the rebel rousers, and then there's just hardworking people that just don't believe in it. And, and that's their choice. This is about, again, a democracy and freedoms and liberties. And I, I hate, as a government, telling anyone what to do. We just got to get moving forward and, and get out of this and protect the jobs. You know, I think a lot of people call them, probably yourself too, everyone's done with us. Like, we are done with it. Let's let's start moving on and cautiously and, you know, we, we've, we've followed the rules, all of us, like 90% of us, for, for over two years. The world's done with it. So, let's just move forward. So there we have the Premier of Ontario, the provincial official most responsible for all of the lockdowns, supply chain interruptions, forced vax passes, forced masking, now telling the world that the vaccines are useless. Whether you have one or ten shots makes no difference. He knows hundreds who've attested to this fact, and yet his government and health officials insist that the unvaxxed are the problem and the key source of negative health conditions that we now know are a direct consequence of the vaccinations. And talk about hypocrisy. All of a sudden, Ford's talking about getting back to normal and how it's an individual's choice to get vaccinated and about democracy and freedom and that we're done with this. <laughs> I don't believe that for a minute. But of course, the Freedom Convoy has nothing to do with this reversal of opinion, which of course could be reversed again before the end of this broadcast. Oh, what a tangled web we weave when first we practice to deceive. Oh, and by the way, just as an ironic aside, do you know why Ford was in Hamilton in the first place? To announce green funding of the steel industry to the tune of a half billion dollars. Our tax dollars. Another globalist agenda. Remember, the political color of green is always really red and has very little to do with saving the environment. Now, coming up next... One person who's certainly still trucking along is none other than Leonard Peikoff, the intellectual heir to Ayn Rand's philosophical works, and who here appeared in conversation with Amy Peikoff just this past Sunday. Hi, this is Amy Peikoff, Don't Let It Go, and we are very happy to have a uh, wonderful guest who I haven't gotten the privilege of speaking to for a long time. Uh, it's a little awkward, right, because uh, we were indeed married for uh, quite some time. This is Leonard Peikoff joining us today, and he wants to talk about the uh, pandemic response, the dangers of totalitarianism that might be looming uh, on the horizon, and what would be the proper way to try to stave that off. I have a very simple viewpoint. I believe that totalitarianism, in the form of some kind of national socialism, is on its way. So what speech do we have? Where's our chance to fight what's going on in a way that the country will express itself? The people don't want it, but how can they do it? One of the latest things, the thing which is actually sparking the protest today is the mandates, which are perfect examples of the tentacles of totalitarianism that we see all in the other areas. They're trying to stop people from expressing what they want. So what can we do? The only way I think to show, to stop it for a while, to slow it down, 
there's massive physical protest. I don't know of an intellectual way. In the long run, of course, ideas, philosophy, that has to change and that's the ultimate solution. But right now, it is crucial to make it clear to the world and the world is going along with the truckers too. I mean, many, many of the countries, the protest is coming out from underneath being, being squelched by an intimidation of law is starting to burst out, but we need the physical thing to make it, people see that it's real, that it's nationwide, that it's there. And once you have that, if you can intimidate the intimidators, then we have a chance of going forward by directed by ideas and reestablish uh, what America, I guess I'm Canadian, so to some extent, America and Canada can be uh, put together. Uh, I think that a physical protest should be peaceful, but the truckers have been completely peaceful compared to BLM and Antifa, which were, you know, throwing acid in the eyes of policemen and setting fire to police stations. And you know that nobody said a word about that. Nobody here. Uh, it was just, well, they're expressing their freedom. So if they kill a few people or set fire or take over a city, that's okay. But now these truckers are only want freedom. They don't want a handout from the government. All they want is to be left alone. So there's a massive outcry on the disaster they're causing, uh, which is a traffic jam. That's what they're causing that everybody is screaming about. After all the mass disaster that they, mm -hmm. their people caused, now it's, we can't permit this. It's the end of civilization. My position is that I salute the traffic. I congratulate them. I thank them on behalf of what is left of the West. And I hope to see that in the United States. Uh, and if this is the first on that first step on that road, I couldn't be happy. One of the big problems is that the proliferation of any of the intellectual content is being cut off. So I don't necessarily see the truckers' physical actions as a substitute for intellectual, because I actually see no, the truckers as fairly principled. It's and, of, and yeah, but but it's, it's a way to get the ideas in. It's a way of clearing some microphones. It's a way of emboldening some people with the right ideas to speak up, and other people see that you know it's possible. The hope is that it can be a catalyst, that can be light diffuse, and then go on uh, from there. I mean, this is insanity, and it has a purpose. It's not that they're crazy, it's that they're smart. They're going to make you afraid to speak. They're going to take enough words and either corrupt your meaning or ban them. Uh, and the result is you get less and less chance to say anything, let alone anybody to hear it. So we're in a very, very, very bad state. And I'm, I'm all for ideas that I spend my life writing books, etc. But a book is not going to cure the world now. It's too late for that. If you were able to give advice to the leaders of the truckers movement in order to have the maximum effect, not just at maybe stopping things a little while, but perhaps reclaiming all of the rights that the tyrants have grabbed during the pandemic, what would you tell them to say or do? I have great respect for the truckers, but I don't expect them 
to lead an intellectual uprising. That is not fair to expect that. Their work is not in that field. They can demand freedom. They can demand that we go back to American, you know, they on that level. But all they can do is raise a banner. They can't argue for it. What they can do is make it possible for people to hear those who have a banner. So I don't ask the truckers to do any more, but keep at it. That's what I end by saying I salute the truckers. I wish them the best. I congratulate them and don't let them stop you. We, we, we agree. Thank you. Amen. Uh, meanwhile, now to Canada, where police are threatening to arrest Freedom Convoy protesters without a warrant. Yeah, and listen to this. A court in Ontario freezes access to over $8 million oh. in donations How for these protesters. How do they able to do this? This no. time with Give, Send, Go. Jeff Locke from our sister network, Fox Business, joins us live on the ground in Ottawa from inside the Freedom Convoy. Jeff? That has been a real important thing for this uh, convoy because the funding of it has been a key. It's been very well organized to the point. I'm standing in what is a child care area here. We're early and the kids aren't here yet, but this is what they've set up. I mean, they've got everything. They're smoking meat over here uh, and we're right in front of Parliament. This is uh, the exit and entrance for a lot of uh, people, members of Parliament. And, you know, yesterday I watched people come out after debating and even some of the Parliament members who are in favor of the mandates and that's right nobody accosted them nobody uh, you know chased them into the bathroom or anything uh this has been a very uh, peaceful in my view very peaceful protest throughout maybe you see this is uh <laughs> and you hear you often hear the the tones of fr french because <laughs> there are plenty of french canadians yeah here. that's the, the la petite quebec si. <laughs> why are you here uh, to get our freedom back. I don't want to raise my kids with masks and QR codes, so that's why we're here. What are you making this morning? Uh, bacon and eggs. I just started, so I'm cooking the bacon first, and uh, we have uh, plenty of eggs. So uh, It sounds like you're here for the long haul. Yeah, I'm here since day one, so it's been 15 days. We're in Ottawa right now. I'm with my wife and kids. Uh, so we're here to stay. feel very deeply about this to make that kind of a commitment. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like uh, we're all in this together, but people don't realize how we we struggling in 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 this, and we we need a QR code for this or QR code for that, and so it's like too much. yeah, it's too much. And the pressure we have to to get vaccinated, there's something about it that just don't work. Are you vaccinated? It's medical information. It's not the, of your business. <laughs> okay, that's a fair. That's a fair answer. Yeah, yeah, but you just don't want to be mandated. Yeah, to, that, that's it. I just don't want to. I, and all the mandates, and it's going to be all right. Got it. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll let you get back to breakfast. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you can just walk up to pretty much anybody here, and uh, they've got something to tell you. Their passion, carrying Canadian flags, as I see this gentleman here, right here. Uh, tell me why you're here, sir. I'm a 60-year-old grandfather who's been fired from his job by General Motors of Canada on December 12th. They told all non-vax people to just leave. They cut us all out. My 31-year-old son has lost his job. He will be in April. He's been told he's gone because he's not vaxxed. And my daughter, who was pregnant in the fall and being asked to vax, had to uh, leave early and give birth to a child prematurely after the government was harassing her to uh, 
take the vaccine. So my family has been impacted in hundreds of thousands of dollars. My son-in-law has his own business, consulting business, and he's losing tens of thousands of dollars. The government has decided to punish their people, and I'm here to stop it. You feel very passionate about this. I will die to protect my family and my children from overreach by the government. I hear, I'm here for peace, for love, and satisfaction of people living in a country in unity. And this Mr. Trudeau does not deserve the title of Prime Minister. He is an insult to Canadians. I just want to know how far Mr. Trudeau would go if somebody took the food off of his table. Because that's how far I'm going to go, Mr. Trudeau. Mark my words, Mr. Trudeau. Sir, I appreciate very much you sharing your story. I can see your, uh, I can see the emotion. Thank you. No one could say it better, perhaps, in terms of a spokesman for this group. Uh, and that's just a guy I walked up to. I hadn't talked to him before. Um, that's what we're, we're seeing out here. Jeff, this that's is amazing stuff. That is an absolutely stunning interview. And I think everyone on this couch sympathizes with what Canadians are going through, and not to mention what is also taking place in the United States of America. You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. The damage to our society and citizens wrought directly by political actions and political actions alone is monumental. It's incalculable. Those responsible should be held responsible. If that last testimony of why people attending the protests in Ottawa doesn't say it all, I don't know what will. It was completely reminiscent of the observation made by Tecla Ross on our show last week. All the hands that she saw raised in the crowd of people who had personal knowledge of someone seriously injured or killed by the mandated injections. But the fascists and their sympathizers, the propagandists of the mainstream legacy media, carry on with their anti-freedom drone, and I hereby wish to enter my Exhibit B of a commentary or op-ed piece declaring how misguided we all are about freedom and individual rights. Now, this came from CBC Radio itself, Cross Country Checkup, their post of February 13th. And the headline reads, why the word freedom is such a useful rallying cry for protesters. And I quote, As demonstrations against COVID-19 restrictions continue across Canada, the word freedom is on the lips and placards of many protesters. Often associated with protests and rallies in the United States, the term has taken hold among protesters who are part of the Freedom Convoy, which rolled into Ottawa in late January and has become entrenched in the city's downtown. Now, to stop here for a moment, by the way, the, the word freedom isn't a term. It's a word. It's a clear word with a clear definition, and that's a definition that is universal and applicable to all of mankind. Calling it a term is to rob it of its meaning, that freedom means freedom from the coercion of others, and to reduce the word freedom to a slogan. But let me continue. For many, freedom is a malleable term, one that's open to interpretation. That flexibility, in part, has fueled its growth among certain groups, said Barbara Perry, director of the Center on Hate, Bias, and Extremism at the Oshawa-based Ontario Tech University. Oh, man, you know. Now, of course, the obligatory propagandist ploy of associating freedom, of all things, with hate, bias, and extremism. You can count on it. 
quote, It is a term that has resonated. You can define it and understand it, and sort of manipulate it in a way that makes sense to you and is useful to you, depending on your perspective, she told Cross Country Checkup. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. But proper epistemologically sound definitions, you can't just make up. The people with the perspective necessary to manipulate the word freedom are enemies of freedom which is exactly why they project their own evils of tyranny onto the good of freedom. And the article says, It's also a term that has thrived among far-right groups, said Perry, one of a number of experts who say the presence of far-right groups in Canada is growing. <laughs> well, there is no such thing as far-right, which is as meaningless a term as you can invent. Far-right of what? Me meaningless, meaningless. There are only two polarities in politics, left, which is tyranny, and right, which is freedom. So if by far right, she means just right, well then yes, the right has the exclusive monopoly on freedom, and those on the right have to start being proud of being labeled right because you're the ones that are on the side of freedom. Quit being ashamed of being labeled right because that's the place you want to be. The article says, as seen among some protesters currently opposing vaccine mandates and other public health measures, freedom signals a desire for freedom from government intervention or overreach, Perry noted. Now, you know, I, I hate that word, overreach. You know what that word is? And, it, and it's used by both sides in the debate. What it is, is an evasion of moral judgment. Government overreach is just another BS word for injustice or corruption or criminality. That's what it is. So forget this overreach. You're being too polite to people who want to kill you. The article continues, Canada Unity, one of the main organizing groups behind the protests, says on its website that it's committed to quote-unquote upholding freedom of choice for Canadians. Evan Balgord, executive director of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, here we go again, says the way many protesters frame their calls for freedom renders the word meaningless. And what they're really asking for is a shift in government policy that could potentially have a negative impact on others. Wow. You know, being against hate is merely virtue signaling from behind a masquerade of hate. That's what all these hate groups are, these anti-hate groups. They're just seething in hate. The protesters are not asking for any policy that would have a negative impact on others. It's that very policy that they're protesting against. Policies forcing negative impacts on others are what we've been enduring for years. Just ask the gentleman we, we heard interviewed in that Fox News item. Quote, when they're yelling they care so much about freedom, they're taking freedoms away from other people who don't have the same kind of agency and choice that they do, he said. What a crap. Name a single person whose freedom was taken away by others caring about their freedom. There's no such thing as your freedom or my freedom in this context. It's just freedom, for the same reason that it's just right. Then the subheading, concept of freedom can be used to reject equality. To see the word freedom bandied about as part of these protests points to a broader circulation of what Elizabeth Anker calls get this, violent forms of freedom. Freedom is a slippery concept, said Anker, an associate professor of political science, there we go again, at George Washington University and author of Ugly Freedoms, which examines the history of how freedom as a concept has been used in American society. End quote. But, you know, first, there's no such thing as a violent form of freedom. 
see, this, this is manipulating words to mean the opposite of their definitions. Freedom means <laughs> the absence of coercion. That's what it means. You can't say there's a violent form of an absence of, of violence. Do you understand that? Violence and coercion are the calling cards of all collectivists. So you can understand their current desperation and doing everything they can to project their evil onto our good. Quote, and while those forms of violent freedom can result in situations that are dangerous, discriminatory, or anti-democratic, the call to action can gain broader support because fighting for freedom is seen as a noble cause. Now, freedom leads social media posts about the protests, is trumpeted in memes, and is even the focus of merchandise. A bumper sticker that reads, Mandate Freedom, emblazoned with a maple leaf, is available for sale online, and so are t-shirts and hats promoting the Freedom Convoy. Wow. Next subheading reads, Pushing Individual Freedom Over Social Good, and that very headline is offensive. Individual freedom is the social good. Quote, Anchor says the concept of freedom as displayed in the anti-mandate protests is something more often attributed to the United States. Freedom is often used almost as a national entitlement, as a claim for what people have, she said. Wow. While some in the U.S. may see mask mandates as a violation of individual rights, for example, citizens in many other countries wouldn't consider such rules to be an intrusion, end quote. Nor would they be allowed to express their dissatisfaction with such rules because those other countries aren't free. Yeah, there are always collectivists in every nation, even free nations, but the fact that one person doesn't consider something to be an intrusion, how the hell does that obligate that person's idiotic opinion to be adopted by people who know that it's an intrusion? Quote, it's been taking a lot of people by surprise to see people in Canada who often seem so much more accepting of social interdependence to start pushing back against it with the language of individual freedom, said Anchor, end quote. Written by Jason Burms with files from Ashley Fraser. And again, shame on both of them. I'm Laura Ingram. This is Ingram Angle from Washington tonight. So the left is so freaked out now because their COVID fortress of rules and edicts is collapsing before they had the chance, of course, to make their new normal permanent. They're so frantic that they're trying to stigmatize the word freedom. In other words, your freedom kills people even when they're vaccinated. I love how people talk about personal freedom. If you're exercising personal freedom, freedom put someone else in jeopardy, their health in jeopardy. I don't consider that being very damn with freedom. Now, the mocking of freedom has been a thing of Biden's for a while now. Two things that concern me. One are those who just try to make this a political issue. Freedom. I have the freedom to kill you with my COVID. No, I mean, come on. Freedom. Never heard a president. Never thought I would hear a president say something like that. And the media picks it up and then repeats it with their own lame flourish. Now the message is to be afraid of those who want freedom. What you've seen in, 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 uh, in Canada is others are fearful of these protesters who are arguing for freedom. Now it's sort of generically anti-government, all wrapped in this sort of notion or the guise of freedom, you know, whatever that means to these individuals. But freedom for the rest of you to do and speak your mind? No, nah, they don't want that. Here's the way the progs at the CBC describe the word. 
It's malleable and a term that thrives among far-right groups. Yet no matter the rubbish they say or publish about this freedom quest spreading across the globe now, the truth about what the powerful did these past two years is coming to the fore. It can't be that we live in a country where freedom only exists for the connected and wealthy who can go maskless at the Super Bowl as third graders sweated out in N95 masks in class in L.A. But they'll always feel justified when they take away your freedom or when they skirt the rules. It's going to be that the roads are dangerous, the climate's warming, the variants are coming. And almost six years ago, it was that Trump was running. They had to stop him. Rules be damned. The left didn't think twice when they locked the children out of schools. And the Clinton campaign didn't think twice when they deployed Internet spies in an effort to destroy Trump and nullify your vote. Even though the ends for them always justify the means, we know what was going on. And the press, they did too. But they didn't cover the stories that mattered. They covered them up. But here's the good news. The anti-freedom coalition is unraveling. And that's the angle. In today's intellectual vacuum, you must begin by realizing that there is no such thing as the public interest except as the sum of the interests of individual men. And the basic common interest of all men, all rational men, is freedom. The principles of a free, non-coercive social system are the only form of the public interest. Such principles did and do exist. Try to project such a system. In today's cultural atmosphere, it might appear to you like a journey into the unknown. But, like Columbus, what you will discover is America. And freedom. That, of course, was the voice of Ayn Rand herself, speaking in the 1960s. Some people have been wondering if the truckers' protests will have a severe effect on the supply chain, and certainly to have heard Doug Ford speak, he seems to think so, despite his own role in breaking that supply chain himself. In the end, there certainly will be a great reset. The question remains as to whether it will lead to the left's ideal of a world in which you will own nothing and be happy, or whether it will lead to the right reset, the ideal of a world in which the word that the left so fears more than anything, freedom, is the fundamental uniting value of a nation. What's been happening since January 29 in Ottawa may be the first major event since the pandemic was launched that's just right. Other than, of course, our weekly broadcasts of the show by the same name, and to which we invite you to join us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright.
I help you? I need toilet paper. Sorry, today we are distributing potatoes. But I really need toilet paper. Well, we've got sandpaper. Fine, I'll take a potato.